Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Are You Writing podcast, the podcast where writing arts interns explore all things writing. My name is Connor, and I am the head intern for the writing arts department. My name is Morgan. I'm a senior intern within the writing arts department. Hi, my name is Matt. I am a sophomore in the writing arts department, and I'm also in the internship program. And today we're going to be talking about multimodality. Um, and it's kind of a conversation that we touched on last week with our topic of graphic novels. So last week we mentioned how graphic novels use the visual element as well as print language to communicate their ideas and to create a story. So multimodality uses different modes like the visual mode and print mode, but also spatial, gestural, social, and many more to create communication. And Pamela Perness wrote an article titled Why We Should Study Multimodal Language. And within that article, she talks about how language originated with gestures and then developed into um, like oral communication and how sign language is like a universal language to many aspects and so visual elements and visual modes really are needed to understand and contextualize a lot of communication and in that regard graphic novels definitely earn their place as um, a, a writing genre. So graphic novels, they touch on the two, like two or two of the most common types of modes, which are visual and textual. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of our conversations, which we had last week, was touching on how integral each of those modes are with each other. Modes meaning ways of mean, uh, meaning making, ways of uh, communicating some form of uh, information. And graphic novels do that through the visual and the textual modes. And kind of what we talked about last week, what makes a good graphic novel and what makes one successful is that it uses both of those modes effectively. A lot of the types of text that we're acquainted with today are multimodal, and they use multiple different types of modes to convey information. It's it's hard to find a text that isn't multimodal in some way. Yeah, in fact, like, I mean, I feel like you can even say that there really isn't such thing as like a text that's only one mode because I mean even if we're thinking of the classic example of what a text normally means you know as in like written words on paper like you know that still incorporates the visual and spatial elements because you're writing within the margins of the paper you know as you write your words out you're kind of creating a visual element yourself because you need to write the sentences out put it into paragraphs etc. And then that paper is going to have to exist somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I feel like no matter what, you're kind of always dealing with multiple modes of communication. So there is no monomodal text? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Even with like the standard essay, something that people would think has just the print and then you're just conveying your ideas through just words. There's also the spatial elements. There's headings and formatting that goes along with that, different conventions, and Mm -hmm. all of these things are 
different modes used to mm. understand and contextualize what genre you're in or like how you should be reading the text. Mm -hmm. And these these mo uh, these um, conventions come from the culture and society and the mm. gr the groups that we participate in. So. For college students, um, often they'll be writing essays that follow certain formats, and they're set up like that so that that way the modes that are used and the meaning that is conveyed uh, falls within basically the expectations of the group. So for different instances, so if uh, we're talking about something like an ad, then different conventions and different modes are going to be used. Um, it's far more likely to see some type of visual element in an ad than um, not. Right? Most ads have some type of pictures, uh, graphics, there's text involved as well, and there's those spatial elements that we've been talking about. And with that, um, the fact that there are these different conventions and it's so necessary to understand how to read within different modes, that's why teaching multimodality is so important in schools. There was an article also that we looked at called Graphic Novels and Multimodal Literacy, a high school study with American-born Chinese. And American-born Chinese is a graphic novel that's um, very common when teaching um, about graphic novels as a genre as well as multimodality because it has those visual, spatial, print elements like we mentioned as well as like gestural through the way that images depict people and it's all very important to understanding how the words are said like inflection and tone and within the article by Heidi Hammond she mentions the novel and how they'd have to study the uh, gutters which are the spaces between the images and how it's difficult to um, kind of use these complex thinking methods to go back and reread the different blocks to understand how things are being said and what elements create things like suspense within a graphic novel and that mm -hmm. they're different from the elements that create it in other forms of writing mm -hmm. and that's why multimodality is important to study because the different parts of communication uh, the different modes visually they matter according to different texts and people are encountering so many different texts nowadays where the line is kind of really blurred between what is like a text because everything that we encounter in different ways is a text. Mm -hmm. um, really any kind of communication recorded from movies to artwork, anything has kind of meaning behind it and it has to be studied through different modes. And so it's important to understand those modes, mm -hmm. to understand our world. Yeah, I mean, I basically feel like it's incredibly difficult to define a text nowadays because it's like when you try digging into what a text is you get run into all these complications and it gets very hairy kind of like what we were talking about last time and like what you just mentioned about how like you know even a film could technically be considered a text in many ways um it makes me wonder sometimes if like we need to start talking about these things in um, we need to sort of develop a vocabulary where we have subdivisions of texts, you know? Mm, right. um, but even that would get ridiculously complicated <laughs> in and of itself. I mean, even like, you know, the hand gestures you make while you're talking could be a text. But then at the same time, it's a bit, it, it feels a bit awkward to lump that in with like, 
with, I mean, even with like graphic novels in and of itself, you know, even though it does all technically fit within the same umbrella. Mm. What I think Rowan University does as a whole is exposes students to these different forms of multimodal text, different forms of communication that take place outside of multi, uh, outside of the monomodal, what we think is monomodal text of just an essay. And it might not be where every student is fully um, is fully able to work within every genre of multimodality, but in discussing certain types and gaining skills, strategies, a student is able to work their way into a new genre, into a new form of multimodal text that they might not be familiar with, but they're familiar with the conventions of how certain visual elements affect their audience, how certain linguistic words may affect their audience, because that's always what it comes back to when we're talking about multimodality is, is, is really what modes are we using and why are we using them? And it's because of the context, it's because of the audience, um, it's because of the purpose, whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to communicate. And there is no monomodal text. There's always going to be different ways to communicate with people. And I think through Rowan University, through the Writing Arts Department, um, there's a ton of ways that the teachers here try to work into their curriculum multimodal, multimodality. Uh, Jason Luther's class, he, uh, in intro, Introduction to Writing Arts, he has the students produce a podcast, which is, I think, fantastic. Um, multiple classes have students uh, run their own websites, um, use Google Docs to collaborate with each other. A lot of teachers will have their students make uh, video essays, which I think, Morgan, you did before? Yeah, in uh, writing research and technology, we worked a lot with multimodality. Uh, we created two videos. One was a remix video, which mm. really goes into the ways people understand things in different modes, especially visually, um, based on like colors for mood or just like the music in the background or the ways that visual elements juxtaposition against each other. Um, or the repetition of these images really um, speak to the reader and it's really there's no print words in the video um, or very minimal print words just anything that would be in these little clips that we would use and through that we had to create our own meaning hmm. um, and then there was an oral history video which is a completely different genre of video that still has that it uses modes to create a, a message to tell a story it, uses um, video and then also it has that gestural element because the people you interview within it and their reactions and their facial expressions show emotion. It was all um, pertinent to understanding their stories. Hmm. We also did a blog and a blog itself is multimodal with hmm. different links and different articles, videos, images. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that was definitely a class where I experienced I think the most expressions of multimodality. Have you had an experience with your classes uh, with multimodality, Matt? Um, well, I'm, I haven't taken um, as many classes of you, as you guys, um, <laughs> but I do feel like I have experienced like multiple levels of a multimodal education mm -hmm. in different courses. Like I'm in a course right now called um, Topics in Literature Graphic Novels, 
And, you know, it, it's interesting because when you think of graphic novels, you do kind of immediately think of, okay, well, I'm going to interpret this via the combination of text and images, you know, like we, what we um, were talking about um, last time. But what I found interesting was that my professor also wanted us to focus a lot on how the images convey gesture Mm. and how in each panel space is used because um, my professor, um, Dr. Petra Clark, she thinks that it's incredibly important for us to not only understand how textual elements communicate meaning, but like she was like very um, adamant about like needing us to understand that even just the way a character moves creates like this flood of language and meaning within us even if it's not like right there on the page. Mm-hmm. And that so, speaks to the multimodal, multimodality of even just within a, a picture, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's been, that's been a lesson that's really carried through the whole class. Um, just the level of detail you have to put in certain forms of communication mm-hmm. that you kind of don't even think about at first that add like so many layers of meaning to, uh, to what I guess you would consider the text. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like I have I have covered multimodality in several courses so far. That's the one that comes to the top of my head fastest, but mm-hmm. yeah. And you'll continue to. Hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. We were in the uh, Jason Luther's uh, section for mm-hmm. intro, and that's where we produced hit, uh, the podcast, and that's another form of uh, multimodal text, because... Uh, even though it's not, there's no text almost related to the podcast. I mean, it has a name, right? So you can mm-hmm. read that. It might have a description that's in text, but it's communicating via this aud- auditory mode. But some podcasts require scripts, and mm-hmm. that is a text within itself. And that's what we had to do, Matt and I, for that class. We had to produce a script and then record it and publish it uh, online onto um, his database called the Phono Project. And I'm in WRT right now. We are doing, um, maintaining our own blog and we're giving a presentation, which is multimodal. Um, Most presentations are multimodal. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So multimodality is kind of central to how we're working now within the writing arts department. And there's so many different pushes for including different things. And I think that one of the most exciting things about multimodality is that it allows students to to work in a, in a domain that they feel comfortable and in a way that they feel can best reach their audience. I spoke with a couple professors about that topic and a lot of them when it comes to the end of the semester, as the students have been fully equipped with the knowledge to produce some type of project, the professors give the students the option to work in whatever genre, whatever modes they want to work in to produce some type of text, whether it be a visual essay of some kind of a video, a podcast, um, some type of listicle, some type of, uh, it could be whatever, but working in these multiple domains in order to reach our audience. Because as a writer, working within multiple modes is how we're going to be able to reach our audience. We can't reach everyone by just text. There's many more ways that we communicate. Right. And I think that's really important that um, students are taught and in a way that lets them kind of experience whatever multimodal 
genre they want, any form that they want, because really multimodal texts are pretty much unavoidable. Like anything that you look at has some kind of multimodality to it. And so in that sense, learning multimodality is important not just for writers, but really for anybody that's interacting in um, a communicative space. Mm -hmm. um, on or, social or media or just experiencing life nowadays yes. at this point yeah. um especially with the advance in technology anything that you see online all of that is multimodal and just anything that we intake today is now some kind of multimodality mm -hmm. and so anyone that wants to produce anything really should look into the different ways of multimodal communication because different genres can be created this way and mm -hmm. i know that there's many new genres i I know a few of us heard about the other day, um, ARGs, yes. which um, I think was uh, interesting. It's like a artificial reality game or augmented reality game. It's one of the two. And through different social media sites, which uses this like social mode, people are creating stories. And usually they're like scary stories. A lot of the time I've seen mm -hmm. um, just through like videos and through like gestures and they're not saying that it's a story and they're letting people like interact socially and figure that out for themselves and I feel like that's kind of one of the newest genres of using this multimodal concept mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't even know that that's multimodality and that that's a form of storytelling told without text and using these like less commonly referred to modes as um, like referred to as writing and it's definitely a form of writing they're developing stories mm. and I think that that's like just one of the examples of new modes created it's exciting yeah. it's fun and I think just jumping off your point of wanting to produce yeah. multimodal texts uh, I think every student should encounter um, some academic instruction on multimodal text in order to also understand it um, and that's something that, you know, uh, first-year writing students are encountering now. There's a big push for multimodality and uh, for projects including multimodal works. And um, it's, it's exciting because equipping students with the ability to not only produce m multimodal texts but also be able to understand how they work is essential for functioning today and understanding how these multimodal texts affect us. How, how they work and being able to either replicate it or improve upon it and bend, bend the rules a bit and do something new. Yeah, and um, I mean, I, I feel like personally, jump because I kind of jumped into this almost right after I graduated high school, basically, because, you know, Dr. Luther and kind of like Dr. Luther's um, module and um, his way of introducing multimodality to us, that was only my like second semester, mm -hmm. um, you know, after graduating high school. And the more that I learn about multimodality as a concept, it really just feels like it's just an extension of the conversation about rhetoric, yes. you know, because I feel like at least in my high school education, my English teachers were pushing us to understand like what different rhetorical strategies are mm -hmm. um, more than you know, my parents said their English teachers cared about. And so I feel like it's really good that we're kind of already switching to multimodality in terms of our, like, education, because it really is just another conversation about genre styles. 
and just trying to impact your audience in the most effective way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like people don't realize that, you know, they can do that through text messages or tweets like the um, the ARGs. I've seen some people even like post like photo albums that tell a story mm-hmm. on social media. So it's like all these different things that I think that once you really like dig into it, it just makes you like and like one of the most effective communicators possible, mm-hmm. you know, and it opens a ton of doors for you as a creator and a consumer. If you are interested in multimodality, we had some assigned readings that we did together. We can post those in our notes for the podcast so that you can read those as well. And um, we can add any others that we think might be beneficial to you guys. But that's going to be it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, My name was Connor. Morgan. (laughs) Matt. And uh, we hope that you listen again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya.